lives throughout the night and day A magic lamp with colors gay A curse is on her, so they say If she looked down to Camelot She knows not what the curse may be And so she weaves steadily But little Hello all, it's Alex from the pre Aphrodite Society podcast team with another special episode. Today I'm joined by Deborah Rose. Uh, Deborah is a Welsh singer-songwriter whose emotive, timeless voice has often been described by folk legend Judy Collins as one of the finest I've heard. And um, I've got to say that's an absolute compliment and a half, isn't it? Uh, her love of song and poetry combined has guided her compositions and inspired by Shakespeare, Sir Walter Scott and Charles Dickens, Deborah also shares a deep love for pre-Raphaelite paintings in particular and has performed in many National Trust and historical houses that are linked with the poets and painters referenced on her album. She has performed at John Ruskin's home Brantwood in the Lake District and Dimbala in the home of the pioneering Victorian photographer Julia Margaret Cameron on the Isle of Wight. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Deborah. Um, it's so exciting to have you here and talk about pre-Raphaelitism in such a different, more refreshing way. Oh, thanks for having me. Good, good research, Alex. <laughs> so <laughs> let's 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 go to the beginning then. Let's talk about your love of music first. Um, how did you get into uh, writing? How did you get into the whole music scene? I think that I loved music from a very early age. That was very clear. Um, all kinds of music growing up, uh, pop, folk, show music. I love musical theatre. So I think I developed a real keen ear for music when I was about eight years old. And then I probably did my first performance when I was about maybe 14, 15. And, um, and then I started writing a little bit later on, um, sort of in my 20s. But I, I had some early classical guitar training. And um, that was something then that enabled me to use my voice to write songs to accompany myself. So it was really a combination of, of listening and just um, sort of singing in my bedroom and um, growing up uh, just surrounded by music really, just pretty obsessed from an early age of just listening to great singers, a lot of great female singers. And I think my ears kind of attuned to other other singers and that's, they were my teachers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I can't say that, I mean, I sing often in, in my bedroom and I sing often in the shower, but I can't imagine sounding anywhere near as lovely as you. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I'm going off on a tangent already, um, but I, I was reading your website, um, which we'll put, by the way, um, a, a ta- uh, we'll attach it to this episode should anybody want to um, look into you further and listen to your music. Um, you talk about music as if it's a gift and you have a real genuine passion for it. Um, and I just wanted to know if, you know, has music always been a passion for you, if you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I think I come from that school of music being very intuitive. So it's always something that I felt. Um, it's a very emotional way of communicating. And I never went to school to study music apart from the guitar lessons when I was young. I never went to music school or drama school. Um, It was very much just listening to music and learning music 
from by ear. So, and as I've got more into the writing process, I really see that as a spiritual process. So I think that's where my, um, where my sort of philosophy about music is that it's a, you're almost like a channel for, you're a channel for songs uh, rather than I don't work from textbooks or sit and write a score. Um, it's always a very natural, organic process. And I, I, I really receive music and give music through inspiration. That's really my, my way you know you were just talking about music just then is um it's quite a resonant of uh of our favorite pre-raphaelite uh brotherhood and and you know and the sisters as well who are up and coming so linking this together i understand that after listening to some of your songs uh which are amazing by the way that you do Thank have you. a real passion for pre-raphaelitism and you can really grasp this relationship this connection that you've made between your music and your your love for pre-raphaelite art so how have the pre-Raphaelites inspired your music and how did you come to love in the pre-Raphaelites? Well, I guess what you're saying, it's a similar philosophy, sort of, mm. I guess, with the pre-Raphaelites painting uh, very much inspired by nature and landscapes and, and poetry and the myths and legends. And that really has been my source of inspiration from it from a young age. And I think I was given the picture the a painting of um lady of shallot by john waterhouse when i was very young i received it from a great uncle who used to post me letters and um there was a, a picture of, of the lady of shallot and it captured my imagination and i wrote a poem about it and i think it was published in a, a welsh anthology sort of age 12 or something like that um and the lady of shallot is really weaved its way through my musical life um so much so that I ended up recording the Lady of Shalot editing the poem down and making a song which was on my first album Song Be My Soul and it was almost as if that that song then had a life and it knew where it wanted to go and I performed at the opening of the Love and Death exhibition for the Pre-Raphaelites in Birmingham Museum. And right in front of the poem, of the painting, I sang this, I sang the song. And um, I've kind of followed that that painting around. I saw it in Paris. And um, it's, uh, it's a song really that I think really shows my love of the Pre-Raphaelites and how sometimes the music and the poetry has a life of its own. I find it really interesting how you, um, you know, you use the paintings to influence what you write and that the two of them almost go hand in hand is almost that there is there is this, um, you know, this spiritual connection between, the, you know, the music that you write and the paintings that, you know, that how they complement each other. Um, how have you, how else have you incorporated pre-Raphaelitism into your songs? Um, because I just think it's such a fascinating concept, the fact that you do this. And I have never heard of this before. And I think it really does add something really special to our understanding of the movement in incorporating song to it, just as well as, you know, the paintings, the embroidery, the, the poetry. I think it's really incredible how we bring music into this as well. Um, so how, how else do you incorporate it? Do you draw on the any other paintings or the poetry? How does it influence your sound? Another poem that I set to music was a Christina Rossetti sonnet, and it was from one of her sonnets, I Wish I Could Remember. 
And I just remember reading it and thinking how beautiful and romantic it was. And I picked up my guitar and then started singing it and adapting some of the words. And really that was a prompt for me to just do something creative and I liked it. So I recorded it and that's really how it works. Sometimes it's the painting that comes first. Sometimes it's a poem. And a bit like how Julia Margaret Cameron and Tennyson used to work together because she obviously illustrated with her photographs some of Tennyson's poems. Um, I really love that ethos of the poets and the painting and the painters working together in collaboration. And I just feel like there's a synergy and um, there's a spirit to tap into to bring these poems or paintings alive again. And a similar thing happened with the um, William Morris um, poem, Love is Enough. That was, I think I was in the lakes um, touring and I just sat in a hotel room and thought, right, I'll just um, read a bit of poetry. And then it prompted me to pick up the guitar and there, it, sometimes the songs just seem to be there in the guitar. And um, often I find if I experiment with different tunings as well, that can always give a, a nice spark uh, for a song made from a poem. And um, also in, a, in another collaboration, there was a um, po um, the, the concept of the strawberry thief by William Morris mm -hmm. um, inspired uh, a friend and I to record a song called The Cherry Thief, which was inspired by William Morris. So very much the arts and crafts movement as a whole. So even in terms of a wallpaper print has, has inspired a song. It's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, I could listen to you talk about this all day, uh, honestly. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's right in what you're saying in the terms that periaphylitism and periaphylitism as a movement is is, in, is wholly a collaborative endeavour, isn't it? Everything about them, they work together to produce the poetry that inform their paintings and even things outside of their own movement, whether it be Shakespeare, um, Tennyson, they... they you know that they built on each other's ideas they built on other people's ideas to create their own and I really do think that there is a parallel between what you're doing with your music as to what they did um in producing their their own work yeah I think that at the core of their work which what is what attracts me to their work is that their principles of of truth and and beauty and there's a timelessness and I think the kind of music that I've been creating, it doesn't always fit into a box of a particular genre or a particular era. And I think I try to create music that I would like to think is timeless and classic. And I think with the pre-Raphaelites, there's a similar, there's a similar ideal and a similar goal um, to write something that is going to reach people's hearts um, mm -hmm. and is going to be something that is um, celebrating um, beauty or um, truth and there's a simplicity and there's a romanticism and also the themes of eternity and eternal life and um, more recently as well I've been quite drawn to reading more about Christina Rossetti since I went to the Radical Rossetti's exhibition at the Tate mm -hmm. and um, delving deeper into her faith and how she was very much inspired by psalms and just by coincidence if you believe in coincidences <laughs> um a lot of my recent music has been in um, inspired 
my music's been inspired by Psalms. And um, I thought that was a very interesting correlation. And also I'm working on a song called Revelation. And um, that was Christina Rossetti's favorite book in the Bible. And mm -hmm. um, so it just seems to be this never ending kind of quest and a, a search for, for truth. And I think that's where uh, the parallels are. And um, I think there are also other, other musicians dotted around on the Welsh borders that are also inspired by the pre-Raphaelites for those reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you were just talking about the um, the current exhibition in Tate at the moment. And one thing that really struck me that I found so effective with that exhibition in particular was listening to the poetry, having that audio accompaniment as well as just, you know, more than just looking at the paintings and more than just reading the poetry, you had that to go with. And I think there really is something for, um, you know, listening to music that perfectly complements uh, you know, it, it's individually impressive, but it also complements the the poetry and the paintings beautifully. And I really think there's such a lovely relationship that, um, I mean, I think personally needs to be more explored. And you are, you're, you're the, you know, the the ground runner with that. You're foregrounding these ideas and the, you know, these these innovative concepts uh, concepts in terms of, you know, bringing in music with. Uh, pre-Aphrodite poetry and painting and that's why I just find it so interesting um do you have and, and this might be a difficult question um do you have a song or an album or a performance in particular that you're most proud of I'd probably say my album song Be My Soul is it's my first album and it's very pre-Raphaelite influenced and as it's my first album it's a collection of songs which are original as well. So songs that I wrote in Scotland, inspired by being in, in the lakes and in, in the locks, um, Loch Katrine, which I think Sir Walter Scott um, also wrote there, Lady of the Lake. Um, and there's uh, William Blake's Tiger, Tiger on that uh, set to music, as well as Shakespeare's Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day and the likes of Rossetti and Lady of Shalott. Um, but also a recording of Autumn Leaves, which is a well-known jazz song. Um, and the arrangement that I made was the arrangement by Eva Cassidy. But it also ties in with the Pre-Raphaelites because of the beautiful Millet Autumn Leaves painting. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems that sometimes the modern songs that I choose still also have a resonance with, with the Pre-Raphaelites. And um, that collection of songs... Uh, it's, it was recorded in a chapel in Wales and it has a beautiful piano and strings and it took a long time to create, but it's one that I feel hopefully will stand the test of time and um, has a really timeless quality. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm about to ask you an even more difficult question. Uh, <laughs> do you have, if you can answer this, because uh, I know many people can't who I have asked before, do you have a favourite Pre-Raphaelite painting, poem? artist poet or is that too difficult to decide i think that it is lady of shallot for me that's the mm -hmm. pre-raphaelite painting that i have in my in my house obviously not the original one <laughs> but <laughs> that's that i'll be going from straight a, away from a car boot sale <laughs> <laughs> um and um i do have some Holman hunt as well and i really love John Waterhouse I think um, mm -hmm. and I love Ophelia as well um, 
and I love some of um, Dante Gabriel Rossetti's as well. I mean, it was absolutely spellbinding at the Tate. Yeah. Just seemed to be just never ending paintings all in, in one in one space. It was quite overwhelming. Um, and I love uh, the um, Proserpine. Proserpina, mm. is that how you say it? Proserpina yeah. or Proserpine? Um, I know what one you're on about. <laughs> with, with, the, with, the, with the pomegranates. Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, there's just so many, but I think for me, the the most iconic painting that has influenced my life is the is the Lady of Shalott, and I think that's because of the storyline as well. This sort of notion of a woman being trapped in the tower, weaving, and um, and she escapes. And um, you know, there's two ways of looking at that: should she have stayed in the tower and um, carried on with her embroidery, or should she have? you know escaped out into the into the big wide world and and explored life and um, yeah, absolutely i think it's i think it's richard thompson isn't it that had the album mirror blue where he sort of paints the lady of shalott as a as a heroine rather than you know a, a tragic heroine yeah i mean she, she's a very interesting figure isn't he isn't she sorry the lady of shalott um I mean, I've never had the, you know, I've never had the pleasure of viewing that work in person, although I'd absolutely love to at some point in my lifetime. And just to be able to to view it properly and see it with my own eyes and, you know, gather my own interpretation from seeing it with, with the naked eye. Um, but it is an absolutely fascinating piece. Um, so where has your music, um, because, you know, you have an impressive um, record, you're incredibly busy, um, and it's an absolute miracle that I've been able to nab you for this podcast episode alone. So, um, you know, j- just for the knowledge of our, our listeners, where has your music and your love for Pre-Aphrodites taken you and whereabouts has your career taken you in terms of venues and um, and gigs and everything else like that? I think the most amazing uh, experience, exper- I think the most amazing experience was playing the Isle of Wight Festival in 2009 and I just released my first EP. And on that EP was a song inspired by the Golden Treasury, uh, Palgrave's Golden Treasury. And I took a song called The Great Adventurer. And I took a line from that, Love Will Find A Way, and set it to music with mandolin. And um, it was quite a sort of um, beat. It starts off as an a cappella ballad, and then it kicks in with quite an upbeat sort of um, rendition of, of the poem and we played that at the Isle of Wight festival and at that festival I met the owner of Tennyson's house Barringford in fact the same time that I met Judy Collins and uh, it's sort of the Isle of Wight for me then opened up this world of the pre-Raphaelites that's where it started for me because I was invited to celebrate Tennyson's what would have been his 200th birthday and I was invited to go to his his house Farringford uh, where he wrote Maud and um, and then of course that's just down the road from Dimbala Julia Margaret Cameron's home and it opened up a whole world for me and um, I played in in Farringford in Dimbala I also played in Swinburne the poet Swinburne's house um, on the Isle of Wight and as you mentioned earlier I then later went on to perform in John Ruskin's house in the Lake District. And I have played at the Birmingham Art Gallery and Museum 
for the opening of Love and Death exhibition, but also another strange sort of twist in the way that I, the Lady of Shalott led me to play in America because I emailed the gallery, the National Gallery in Washington, DC, because the Lady of Shalott painting was going from Birmingham to, to DC. So I contacted them and thought, I'm gonna ask if I can play outside, play my song by the painting. And they emailed back and they said, we'd absolutely love you to, but it's, we don't have the time to organize it now. But they did put me in touch with the owner of a festival a medieval festival that happens in Maryland in, in near DC. And uh, I played there two years running. So it was actually then the first time that I got a work permit to play in America. And I played this wonderful Renaissance festival where we had to dress up in the medieval gowns. Wow. And then that's where I met the medieval babes. And um, I played with a mandolin player who was in Emily Harris's band. Um, who I'd met in Manchester the year before, and it turned out that he just lived down the road from the the festival. Wow. And um, and also, I then ended up staying with Eva Cassidy's parents because <laughs> they lived in that town. And um, Eva's dad played cello with me, and um, Eva's brother Dan Cassidy plays violin on the Lady of Shalott and helped arrange some of the strings on that. So it's this sort of full circle of how the music sort of weaves the old and the new and just has legs really to um, take you to these amazing places. I love how you you so casually list all of the absolutely incredible things that you have done. Um, <laughs> you know, that the places that you have been and being able to perform at at Ruskin's house, being able to perform at Swinburne's, being able to, you know, being invited to visit Tennyson's home is just absolutely brilliant. And I imagine that was such a fulfilling and satisfying experience for you as an artist in being able to, you know, um, present and perform your work uh, within the homes of the people that have inspired you and your work. It feels very full circle to me. I imagine it's the same. For you yes and it also especially the encounters at Tennyson's house felt very dreamlike to me it was very strange I'll never forget it uh, there was such a an atmosphere and there were a collection of musicians that all played in his drawing room and there were fireworks and there was some kind of mystical energy that for me just felt like I'd almost stepped into a painting or a different time mm -hmm. zone or something. So that was quite trippy. <laughs> I mean, I heartily recommend, by the way, anyone who is listening to this and um, to our listeners that to go and see Farringford and to go and visit Dimbler in the Isle of Wight. Um, there is just something so special about the Isle of Wight, um, mm -hmm. you know, as a place to visit. In particular, those two places are absolutely brilliant. And if you are not even so much just a pre-Raphaelite fan, if you are a fan of the long 19th century, a fan of Tennyson, a fan of anything mm -hmm. to do with that, that time period, you've got to go and see it for yourself. You have to go and see those two places. Um, so... Just to conclude then, uh, let, let's catch up with you in the present. I, I, you are a very busy person, you know, as we know. Are you up to anything at the moment? Do you have any current or exciting projects that you're excited about or that you would wish to share with us? Or can you? Or are they under wraps? So I am 
writing an album and I have several songs which I'm just waiting to record in the studio. So I'm very excited about releasing my next album. So that's work in progress. And um, I'm also working on a musical as well, um, which um, I did write to Andrew Lloyd Webber about, about a decade ago, but I never sent it. But <laughs> um, I am, um, yes, sort of formulating those ideas. Um, and I'm working with a friend that I met on a songwriting retreat in Nashville, and she's living out in New York, and we write a lot of songs together. And um, we're, we're working on some ideas. So there's plenty to keep me busy right now. Well, I'm very, very excited. And in particular, I am very excited about this musical um, because I don't know much, but from what you have told me, it is going to be epic. Uh, and I'm very, very <laughs> excited. Um, and if, like I said, if you do need a leading lady to attempt to sing oh, some you, of your... You've already got the part, Alex. You, you've, <laughs> been, you've, been, you've been cast. <laughs> I'll be right over. Let, let me just... Uh, I need to do a vocal warm-up before I start... Uh, before I begin on Broadway. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, did you want to uh, tell our listeners how to listen, how they can listen to your music or, I mean, we'll put it, uh, we'll attach it to this episode anyway, um, but I just wanted to give you the stage in case you wanted to um, let them know. Yeah. So my music's on, on all digital platforms. So it's available on Apple and Amazon and Spotify and on my website as well, which is, deborahrose.co.uk and also I've got Instagram and Facebook and um, I also do a newsletter once a month called Salt and Light and uh, it's sort of a, a collection of stories of what I've been up to what gigs I've got coming up and um, there's a lot about serendipity and synchronicity and uh, always something about the pre-Raphaelites as well. Lovely. Well, um, guys, I really do heartily recommend that you listen to Deborah's music because it's absolutely captivating and so lovely. Um, and I'm very excited to see what, uh, you know, what, what is coming up and for your next album and, of course, for the musical. And uh, I'll let you know when I'm ready for rehearsals. So, yeah. <laughs> you're just down the road aren't you so yeah yes. exactly yes. I, I can I can just uh catch the bus or something I'll be straight down <laughs> um thank you so much for taking time out of your day to um to talk to us and to you know to tell us all about what you've been up to and the fascinating things that you've done um it's been a real pleasure and an honor to talking to you Deborah so thank you very much for that oh thanks so much for your time and for having me it's been lovely and thank you, as always, to the listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pre-Aphrodite Society podcast. And we'll see you next time with another exciting episode. Take care and we'll see you soon. Oh